When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. It's episode 128. I'm Matt Lombardo, along with Ryan Dunleavy, as always. And Ryan, this is a really special edition of the podcast because unlike every edition that you and I have had leading up to this very moment, Training camp is here. Football has arrived. The pads are on and we have been watching actual football on the practice fields at Quest Diagnostic Training Center. And I got to tell you, this has been a much different training camp than what I have seen in previous years with the Eagles. And I think that a much different training camp than what Giants fans are probably used to seeing and hearing about in Pat Shermer's first year as head coach. It's certainly much different than the Rutgers training camps I was at, if not for the fact that I get to actually watch practice. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's been an interesting uh, couple days, I think. A uh, lot of lot of focus on the outside playmakers, on the wide receivers and cornerbacks. A uh, lot, and then just you know, the last couple days pounding the run. Uh, it's certainly uh, everybody's getting a lot of work. Yep, they definitely are. And you you touched on one of the key points, I think, that we should jump right into here, and that is the playmakers on the outside. And I spoke to an NFL scout earlier this week, and I asked him, how do you stop this offense? How do you contain an offense that has playmakers like Odell Beckham Jr., Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley around Eli Manning? And his basic answer was, you know, pray for bad weather and injury, but it, <laughs> but it starts with Odell Beckham Jr., right? Because he's the guy on the outside. And as we've seen in these early practices, even from the slot, who has the ability with the speed to blow the cover off a of defense and open up the rest of the field for the guys like Ingram and Barkley in the passing game, guys like Latimer and guys like Shepard to operate underneath. And I don't know about you, Ryan, I, you know, we've seen him throughout the spring limited to individual individual drills, but I couldn't be more impressed by what I've seen out of Odell Beckham Jr. From a speed standpoint, coming in and out of his cuts on that fractured ankle that he suffered in week five last year, the dynamic one-handed catches that we've all come to expect from Odell Beckham Jr. He looks like if you just dropped me into Quest, having been in a coma for the last 18 months, I would have had no idea that he suffered an ankle injury. And I think that's great news for the Giants. I don't. I think even people in comas don't know about his contract situation. So uh, <laughs> I think that's kind. I think it's been reported that much. It gets through. Uh, so let's be real here. Like the Giants did a good job of this. They before the first practice for veterans, John Mara came out, stood at a podium, and said, basically, we're going to get an Odell Beckham contract extension done. And then magically, an hour later, Odell Beckham's on the field. And the only play I saw that I told me everything I needed to tell, and you've watched Odell this camp more than I have, is the first practice, there was a run up the middle by Saquon. And Odell was in the slot, and he ran full speed 
to block somebody. This yep. is a guy who doesn't have a contract, uh, who doesn't have a you know huge contract, who is coming off ankle surgery. He's not running a route to catch a touchdown to wow fans or wow his coaches or just to feel good again about scoring a touchdown. To block somebody in a non-hitting drill, in a drill where all you really do in blocking is like kind of shove somebody. Uh, he ran full speed to the middle of the field to like throw his hands on B.J. Goodson, I think it was. like To me, that was pretty impressive. If that's a guy who we've been saying the whole time wants to be on the field. Uh, so I thought that was pretty impressive. He's been back catching punts, which I yep. think, again, there's no people keep laughing and saying, well, there's no risk when you're returning punts and no one's there to cover the punt. Yeah, sure. But that's a time he could take a breather during practice. Right. That's a time he could roll his ankle if he's not careful. It's just one more thing that he's doing that you're like, oh, well, he doesn't need to be doing this. And he is. Well, and, and that's where, Ryan, I think that the ball is now squarely in the Giants court when it comes to these contract negotiations. John Mara said that they'd open up the talks, quote unquote, soon. Leave it up to your own interpretation as to what exactly soon means. But you just think back and you look around around the rest of the league as well at some of the new de new deals that have been thrown out to Brandon Cooks, thrown out to Julio Jones getting his deal restructured. Todd Gurley, I know it's a different position, but at running back, the kind of money that's been thrown around there. Mike Evans earlier this offseason becoming the highest paid receiver in the league. Odell Beckham Jr. didn't hold out, came to the OTAs, was a limited participation based on what we believe to be medical with the ankle, came to mandatory minicamp, did a little bit more there, did some extra work with Eli Manning, and as you pointed out, going full board during mandatory training camps without a deal. This is a guy that's been a good foot soldier. He's come in. He's been a great teammate. When you talk to the other receivers in that room, they all talk about the leader that Odell Beckham Jr. is behind closed doors and behind the scenes. And I, I don't know about you, but I think that the best way for the Giants to handle this now after seeing Odell Beckham Jr. through a week of camp and an entire offseason, pay the man. Come to terms on a new deal, get this distraction off the table, and turn the page and look ahead to this season and beyond. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. Absolutely. I think the Giants have somewhat of a history, Eli Manning, Plaxico Burris come to mind, of getting contract extensions done in September right before the regular season that would it would not surprise me if that's the timetable for Odell you mentioned all the rat you rattled off all the names that have gotten paid Stefan Diggs actually just got paid this morning 15 and, million a year yeah for a guy who has zero 1,000 yard seasons Odell has three uh, and a guy who was drafted in the fifth round of the 2015 draft, Odell has been in the league. It was a first round pick in the 2014 yep. draft. Uh, Diggs, obviously Diggs went 146 picks later than Odell Beckham Jr. did when he went 12th overall in 2015. Yeah, and a, uh, yes, exactly. So it's to me, it's just it's crazy. It's it's like it's either you know you got to pay him at this point. This is the market. If you don't think he's worth it or whatever. Well, then you're not paying attention. If Stefan Diggs is worth 14 for whatever he got, then Odell Beckham's worth 18 or 19. It's just the way it is. Yep. And I spoke to Joel Corey, who's a salary cap analyst for CBS Sports, and he's a former NFL agent who's negotiated his fair share of contracts across, across the league. And Ryan, he told me that the starting point is $18 million guaranteed per season just to get his attention. So that's, yeah. that's where the bar is set 
for an Odell Beckham Jr. contract. He's going to have to be in the stratosphere of a Mike Evans, of oh, uh, Antonio Brown. He's yeah. got to be in. He, he has to. Player. Yep, he has to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL. And I think that right. when you look at this offense, um, and, and we can talk about just how the offense is evolving under Pat Shermer. He's a key cog to this. He's what's going to make this offense go, because if you're going to maximize Barkley as a runner and a pass catcher, if you're going to allow Evan Ingram to take the next step in his evolution, you're going to need to have the guy who stretches the field that all you need to do is put the ball up on a 50-yard bomb one time, and now the safeties have to play five, six yards deeper in their coverage. You can't take that piece out of the equation. And I think that when you look at what Odell Beckham Jr. has done in this camp, they're not just lining him up outside. They're putting him in the slot. They're putting him in three receiver stacks. They're putting him in motion from the outside into the slot. They're moving him around, and that's creating opportunities, not just for the other players, but I think that what we're going to see, and this is a play that stuck out to me on Saturday, the first day in pads, where Beckham lines up in the slot, and he went on a shallow crosser route, probably about four yards off the line of scrimmage, took a, a catch from Eli Manning on the run, raced towards the sideline, and turned up field. When you get Odell Beckham Jr. in a foot race with a slot corner, cornerback or a linebacker Ryan that's a matchup nightmare for any defensive coordinator yes exactly and uh I think that they've done some nice things with him like you mentioned putting him in the slot uh I think that uh Shermer's offense is is going to maximize his weapons I think we saw that the other day in practice it wasn't a coincidence that it was like oh great catch by Ingram great great catch by Shepard great catch by Barkley Khalif Raymond Khalif Raymond and all of a sudden it's like oh you know what this is the best day Eli Manning has had well no duh look at all the guys catching passes Yep. And and I think that when you look at this offense and you look at the weapons around Eli Manning, it's now put up or shut up time for Eli, right? Because even if the right side of the offensive line is still an unknown with Patrick Omame and Eric Flowers, uh, Flowers, at least to me, doesn't look all that improved on the right side compared to what he had been on the left. But again, it's still early. But if you give Eli Manning even an extra one or two seconds to get rid of the football, and we saw it on Sunday afternoon, if you can have Barkley in the back, backfield and he looks by the way even more improved in pass protection and blitz pickup than he did at Penn State where he just stuck a a full speed ahead safety blitzing landing Collins that allowed uh, Eli to step up and hit Raymond deep down the field if you can protect Eli Manning and give him even an extra second to get rid of the football that's going to help tremendously not just make the offense go but help Eli Manning turn the page from one of more his more disappointing seasons last year yep I think that uh, Manning is the kind of guy. Manning is the guy who's going to make this all work, and I know that's kind of ironic to say because, of course, the quarterback is the guy who's going to make it all work. But look at it this way: everybody's acting like Evan Ingram, second-year player, is a given. Of course, he's one of the best tight ends. Everybody's acting like Sterling Shepard, who's a good player entering his third year. Is oh, he's going to—he's a thousand-yard receiver. Well, he isn't yet. He hasn't been. Saquon Barkley's never taken a snap in the NFL. Uh, well, of course, he's the best running back in football. Everybody's acting like these under 25s are givens. And uh, to me, and Beckham, even Beckham coming off the ankle injury, I think we all think he's the best receiver in the NFL. But uh, is he going to be? Everybody's acting like all these 25s are given. And the guy with the two Super Bowl MVPs is like, oh, I don't know. He looks a little shaky. Uh, he, he He's really the whole key. So to me, it's kind of ironic. The guys who have less on their resume are being acted 
like uh, their givens. And the guy who, you know, has been through the 15 years of the NFL is acted like, oh, I don't know if he has anything left. Well, I think that it's the recent track record of the past last season for sure. And I think that two of the last three years where Manning wasn't a top 10 or top 15 quarterback in the league, that if he can get back to that level because of the weapons around him, because of the talent that's been assembled this offseason, I think that's the litmus test for Eli Manning, right? If, if, if he struggles again, as he did a year ago, if he fails to put up 3,500 yards and 28 touchdowns with under 14 interceptions, I don't know that you can look at Eli Manning and say that you can go much further than him, but we're now getting into conversations we're probably going to have by season's end. Yes, exactly. But I think that the offense has garnered a lot of attention. I think rightfully so, because it's going to look and feel a lot different, Ryan, than the defenses that Giants fans have been accustomed to watching, especially under Ben McAdoo, that became a little bit predictable, didn't have a dynamic runner in the backfield, um, didn't really move the personnel groupings around. And that's kind of dominated the conversation of this camp. But I think that the defense and the fact that it's so attacking and swarming to the football and you have young guys stepping up and, and contributing meaningful snaps in practice, um, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not ready to say this defense is about to become a top 15 defense in the league because I think they have a long way to go, especially in the passing game from a year ago. But what are your takeaways from the defense so far? Because I've been pretty impressed, especially by the front seven. Yeah, uh, I'll take the big picture defense. Here's what I'll tell you. I like the versatility of it. Uh, I like that some guys like, you know, maybe it's Connor Barwin or Avery Moss or Kerry Wynn. Sometimes they're four three guys in like a nickel in uh, a nickel package. Sometimes they're uh, sometimes they're ends in a nickel package. Sometimes they're outside linebackers in the base three four. So I like that part of it. Uh, I like the I like that the pressure is coming from all different places. Maybe it's Landon Collins as a safety. Maybe it's whoever is playing the nickelback. Maybe it's Lorenzo Carter from the edge but coming up the middle yep. uh, instead of going around the outside. Uh, I like that the pressure's coming from all different places. It's something we wrote at nauseum was going to have to happen uh, because Olivier Vernon was the only proven pass rusher until they signed Barwin, like right before training camp. So they were going to have to blitz and scheme and do some creative things. And Betcher was going to have to be a mad scientist. And uh, so, so far, far he I, has been. Yeah, he, they're beating the. Giants offensive line and is that scary for the Giants fan yeah because they have offensive line whiplash at this point uh, but I think the uh, front seven has been really impressive for the defense and I think and I think Janoris Jenkins has been really good in training camp there was a lot of people worried about where his head was going to be at with uh, you know after his brother is facing an alleged uh, manslaughter charge uh Jenkins to me has been one of the best, uh, you know, w- played like a star during training camp, matching up with some of the Giants' uh, outside weapons. Yeah, he's looked like a lockdown cornerback. And the one thing that I'll point to is there's a, a one-on-one drill that's slanted really heavily in favor of the wide receivers. Uh, we saw it on Saturday when they ran it. Cody Latimer just dusted Eli Apple, got his hips turned the wrong way, and then Latimer was off to the races, uh, hauled in a pass for a touchdown. 
I remember two or three occasions so far, Ryan, watching that drill, and whether it was Latimer, whether it was Sterling Shepard, whoever he was lined up against, uh, Jack Rabbit, Janoris Jenkins w- was locked down. Uh, you know, the receiver never had a chance. And again, that's a drill that's designed to maximize the best opportunity for the receiver to make a play there, and Jenkins won that drill. Team drills, I thought he's played really well. I've been much more impressed with Landon Collins up near the box, near the line of scrimmage, which is really his strength than I have been in coverage. I think that Eli Apple has shown some physicality, but I don't know in coverage yet whether he's taken that big step forward um, in in team drills when he's been isolated one-on-one against someone like Odell or someone like Latimer. I think his camp has been really up and down, but I agree with you when it comes to the pass rush, whether it's Lorenzo Carter, whether it's Connor Barwin, but specifically Olivier Vernon, I think is having a really strong camp. I think he's won a lot of battles one-on-one. You can see him really embracing the role as an outside pass rushing linebacker. And I think that Barwin, his presence is only going to make Vernon a better pass rusher because this is the first time Vernon's full-time being an edge rusher standing up. He did it a little bit uh, with the Miami Dolphins, but this is his role now, and this is what Barlin has done his entire career. I think having that mentor here and someone who can still probably get you four or five sacks like Barlin is going to push Vernon to elevate his game even higher. Yes, I agree. I think uh, Barwin was a huge pickup. The Giants only had less than $3 million in salary cap space, and they had probably two needs to fill. They chose to get another pass rusher uh, instead of another offensive tackle. I guess we'll see if that was the right call. Yep, and I think that another you know, underreported aspect of this camp that some people have asked me about on Twitter, Ryan, is the fact that we're looking at a, a Giants team that's probably going to wind up either starting or having four players as rookies contribute starter caliber snaps in Saquon Barkley, Will Hernandez, B.J. Hill, and uh, Lorenzo Carter. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that because I think that it speaks more to the strength of this draft class in Dave Gettleman than it does anything else. But I can see the argument why it might be a concern for the talent on the rest of the roster. But what do you make of what we've seen from the rookies and the fact that so many of them are going to be asked upon and called upon to contribute immediately? Here's what I would say. Uh, I think they did a really good job in the first half of the draft. I mean, Barkley, obviously, we all knew uh, was going to be, you know, and every down back, I think he's probably looking at 350 touches, even though Craig Johnson wouldn't say it. Uh, I think that, you know, Lorenzo Carter and B.J. Hill were good picks to address the front seven. It's a spot where the Giants needed help. Will Hernandez, good pick for the guard. It's a spot where the Giants needed help. Uh, I think that's a good sign. I don't think that's a bad sign. The Giants, other than Eli Manning, probably have one of the youngest starting lineups in the NFL. I mean, we just mentioned all the guys, Beckham, Shepard, uh, Ingram, Barkley on the offensive side. Then on the defensive side, you count Apple, you count Carter, Hill. Uh, you know, Alec Ogletree, all these guys are, you know, 25 and younger. Uh, the one thing I, that scares me is on the back end of that draft, uh, Gettleman's getting a lot of hype for the beginning of that draft, but let's look at it. The, his last three picks are, might not play a snap this year. Uh, Kyle Loletta, if all goes right, will not play a snap. RJ McIntosh hasn't practiced yet because of this mysterious illness. So I, I would go out on a limb and say, I don't know if he's going to be able to contribute anything this year. I agree. And that, and Sam Beal's out for the season with a uh, shoulder injury. Nothing yep. you could do. Nothing you could do about it. Giants said they knew he about said not it. Take him. 
Yeah, Except exactly. Not take him. I mean, Dave yeah. Gettleman stood there at the podium and told me that they knew about the shoulder injury, that they knew about that injury going into taking him. And we'll see. This is probably a question that we can address deeper when we look at the third round of the 2019 draft and the players that go right around where the Giants would have been scheduled to pick in round three. But I think anytime you can get three players, three key contributors from an NFL draft class, that's that's a successful draft. And if they get three or even four starters, I think that that is a successful draft, number one. But I think there, it also speaks a little bit to the fact that these have been poor drafts by Jerry Reese and company in previous years that you can have four rookies step in and play immediately. Yeah, that's a good. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. And beyond What's, the, uh, tell me about your we just did the defense, Matt. Yep. Tell me about your big picture view of the offense. What do you like of Shermer's offense? Well, I, I think what I really like is the unpredictability and the way that he moves the personnel around. We talked about it a little bit with Odell Beckham Jr., that they'll line him up outside or they'll put him in the slot. They'll use him um, to block on running plays. They'll use him to go deep. They'll use him to run shallow crossers to get him mismatched against defensive personnel. But Ryan, they're going to do the same thing with Evan Ingram. And, and I talked to the tight ends coach um, yesterday about this a little bit, and he said that he's not afraid to put Evan Ingram outside as a wide receiver. They're not afraid to put Evan Ingram in the slot, and this is all about creating mismatches and unpredictability in the offense, and and I like that. And you can move Saquon Barkley into the slot as Joe Moorhead and Penn State did um, his junior season. You can move him around in the offense. You can throw it to Saquon. You can hand it off to him, and I think that that unpredictability and moving the personnel groupings around, that's just something that Ben McAdoo, it was a foreign concept to his scheme. So I, I 11 personnel, 11 personnel, 11 personnel. Yep. Yep. And, and here you are, you're going to be running two tight end sets at times. You're going to be running three wide receiver sets with Evan Ingram on the outside and maybe having someone like Rhett Allison on the field. You're going to see a fullback with Saquon Barkley, something that he's never done in his career. So um, there are a lot of wrinkles to this offense. And I think that the one that's going to garner a lot of attention is Beckham in the slot. But as we watch the rest of this camp and ultimately the season unfold, I think this offense is going to look very similar to what we saw in Minnesota with speed on the outside, using your running backs in a multitude of different ways and different personnel packages thrown out there throughout the course of a game. Yeah, I, I, to me, I, I'm interested in Sure. If everything goes right, you know, if you turn injuries off, I always like to say that if you turn injuries, yeah, I always like that saying Um, if you turn injuries off, everything's great for the Giants. To me, any Giants fan still has to look at last season and realize the devastation injuries can cause. And I don't know if and I'm not talking about season enders. I'm talking about a guy misses two or three. Sterling Shepard missed five games last year. I don't know if the Giants have a third receiver that I'm comfortable with, uh, whether it's Latimer, Russell Shepard, Khalif Raymond, Hunter Sharp. uh, And I don't know what the backup running back situation is. I don't I still can't tell if Wayne Gallman's the number two or Jonathan Stewart's the number two. I'll say this. If if Gallman can improve on his pass catching from a year ago, I think that Gallman gives you the most in that group other than Barkley. I think that he is he has some explosiveness. He has some burst. He's good in the open field. But if you're going to throw the ball to the backs and you want to keep that air of unpredictability, even when Saquon's getting a blow on the sideline, you're going to have to catch the ball. And I don't think Jonathan Stewart did much of that last year in Carolina. He's never done much of that in his whole career. Yeah, that's why I thought it was such an interesting signing. I mean, I know that they did a 
emphasis on leadership and locker room guys, but I never really saw Jonathan Stewart as a fit for Shermer's offense. No, I totally agree. Um, Ryan, outside of the rookies that we talked about, outside of the Olivier Vernons and the Saquons and the Beckhams and the Mannings, um, give me a couple under-the-radar players that have stood out to you through a week of practice because I think there are some young players on this roster and some guys trying to latch on that could quickly become fan favorites once we get into the second half of preseason games and guys that fans could root for to actually make the roster come September. I'll give you a couple guys. Khalif Raymond, you mentioned him. I think he's had a nice camp. There's a void here for kick returner and punt returner, unless you really believe Odell or Barkley is going to do that, which I do Which, not. by the way, that'll never happen. That, that yeah, will I do never, ever, 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 No, ever, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say No, I mean, I think if they're day, you know, if it's a tie score with two minutes left. Sure. But yeah, it's not, it's not like it's going to be. a regular guy, correct. but I would Yes, they wouldn't be the regular guy, but I wouldn't rule out seeing them back there at some point. Yeah, no, I, I always thought it was odd covering training camps through the years with the Eagles and now seeing the same thing with the Giants, that when they practice special teams and they practice punt returns and, and kickoff returns, other than when you're actually doing live drills with hitting and the kicker actually kicking off, you'll see on any given day Alshon Jeffrey or Torrey Smith or Nelson Aguilar or um, even Jay Ajayi or Garrett Blunt catching punts and kickoffs off the jugs machine. And, and I always thought that was kind of odd, and the Giants are doing the same thing. So while a lot of people have tweeted out that Saquon Barkley or Odell Beckham Jr. have been back there fielding kicks and punts, I, I feel like for whatever reason, that's just another way that NFL teams like to get their star skill players a chance to touch the ball in practice. Yeah, so... You shouldn't read too much into it. So Raymond's a guy who's flashed to me. Yep. Uh, he had everybody saw my video of that ridiculous Davis Webb throw. Uh, Raymond's the guy who tapped his feet along the sideline and got got made the catch possible. Uh, kept running his route. And again, he could return kicks and punts. Booby Miles, I mean Curtis Riley, uh, is the uh, guy on. I was expecting a laugh there, Matt. Booby <laughs> Miles is the guy who uh, on free safety. The Giants have done something really interesting at free safety, which is play a different guy as the first team free safety in each of the first four practices. Michael Thomas, Curtis Riley, Darian Thompson, and Andrew Adams. Gee, you uh, think there's competition there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Curtis Riley's a guy. I think he really stood out. He looks like a cornerback playing free safety, and I think that's a good thing because I think he's got ball skills and uh, you know some coverage skills. If he's not the starting free safety, maybe he's in the nickel uh, or, or the dime. I like Curtis Riley, and he's a ball of energy. He's literally always chatting. He's always hyping somebody up. I like that. I'm a yep. big fan of that. Uh, you can always hear Curtis Riley on the field. Davis yep. Webb, I think, has had a really good camp. I mean, I'm I'm anxious, eager to see Davis Webb in a preseason game. I'm not sure what more I can see from Davis Webb in practice. I'm not, as much as I'd like to be, I'm not, you know, going to, you know, uh, fine-tune his footwork on drops and, uh, you know, his, you know, reads. We need I'm to not see pretty, him in a game. We need I'm to see him against... Yeah. Right, I'm we need to see him good. against the, and all, a defense that's wearing a different color jersey. That, yeah, that's I'm, what we need to see. I'm not privy to the practice script, so I don't know about his reads. All I know is this. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's very accurate. He doesn't seem like he's making a lot of mistakes. So I want to see Davis Webb play against another team. So I see how he handles blitzes. So I yep. see, you know, to me, he's uh, had a really good 20-plus practices going back to the spring. Uh, so Webb. 
Webb, Riley, Raymond, I think. And then this guy's not under the radar, but I think Alec Ogletree, starting middle inside linebackers, had a really good camp. I don't know how much everybody knows Ogletree. I don't know how much has been written about his camp, but literally he's always around the ball. And the Giants have been missing that at middle linebacker for probably about a decade. Yep, and I'll give you three that have kind of caught my attention in these early parts of camp. Uh, one is wide receiver Amba Aditawao. I spoke to him on Saturday. Um, he's tailed off the last couple of practices, but he came on like gangbusters making some, you know, leaping catches in traffic in 11-on-11 drills. He's shown off a little bit in 7-on-7. Seven seven. He has some speed, uh, which I think is a real asset to this offense. We talked about the unpredictability and the uh, unique personnel groupings that can be thrown out there, but speed is what's going to unlock the potential of this offense. Uh, Aditawo has that, and I think that he's somebody that fans are going to really like when they see him in preseason games. Uh, Cornerback Grant Haley, undrafted free agent. We talk all about the opportunity at the nickel cornerback position in the competition there, Ryan. Uh, He's a guy that's moved up to the second team defense in the last couple of practices. Uh, He's not afraid to muck it up. He's physical. He's a good tackler. Special teams are really going to be where he makes a difference on whether or not he makes this team or not. And I'm going to agree with you here. Um, I would say that I'd agree on Khalif Raymond, but you already mentioned him. Uh, Robert Thomas is another guy, defensive tackle, not really under the radar, but he's a guy that loves to trash talk in practice. He's delivered a couple of big hits on running backs in the 11-on-11 drills. Uh, He's somebody that I think, in addition to the rookie B.J. Hill, that could see some legitimate snaps in a defensive line rotation with Snacks and Dalvin Tomlinson. So those are my three. Yeah, those are three interesting players. You mentioned Hill, the rookie again. We, we're back to the idea that they play, they're going to play a lot of rookies. So yep. uh, I, I think that there's uh, some guys on this team. The starting lineup seems set, which is pretty interesting. Other than free safety, I think pretty much the starting lineup is set. So we're really talking about guys, you know, 25 through 53 on the yep. roster. I don't, you've been around more NFL training camps than I do. I wonder how normal it is to have this much of your starting lineup set and if that's a good thing or not. Well, I think it. I think it's really unique for a team coming off a 3-13 and 13 season. And I know injuries torpedoed last year and a lot of the offseason pickups like an Ogletree, like this draft class, um, th- they really plugged some of the holes, especially when you were moving to a 3-4 on defense. But to have this much set in stone. I think that's really interesting for a team coming off the kind of year the Giants had. Uh, Ryan, any parting thoughts before we get out of the way and uh, look ahead to the next week's set of practices and next week's podcast? Uh, no, I mean, I think that we've had some interesting stuff up. Check out NJ.com slash Giants. I have something up today on Davis Webb's binders for you Giants slash Yankees fan. Davis That's West how he's going to be a future coach right there. Yeah, that yeah. that story outlines the career path for Davis Webb to go from NFL quarterback yeah. to NFL coach. He's going to yeah. stuff that in his cover letter, Ryan, when yeah. he starts applying for coaching jobs yeah. in 15 years. Yeah, uh, yeah, that'd be good, I guess. Uh, I uh, think we'll have some other interesting stuff up t- soon, too. I mean, some other, you know, trying to give you some in-depth stuff. We've done sights and sounds from training camp. We're trying to 
take advantage of the fact that we're standing, you know, five feet away from the players during practice and training camp, give you a little bit of the sound bites we hear, uh, try to diversify the coverage a little bit. Hope you guys are enjoying it. And, uh, oh, one more guy I should throw because I'll have an interesting story up on him at some point. Another guy who's flashed is uh, A.J. Francis. I feel like he's been a lot of a lot of I wish I included him in my list. He's a guy I feel like has been all over the field a little bit on defense too. defensive tackle to watch. Don't think he'll start, but I do think he'll make some plays when he's on the field. Yep, if we have one week of practice in the books, the Giants get back to practice on Wednesday. They have another off day on Sunday before continuing preparation for week one of the preseason against the Cleveland Browns coming up here in about a week and a half. And then, of course, the regular season opener against the Jaguars. Uh, Ryan, this was a lot of fun. As always, great analysis from you. Make sure you follow Ryan on Twitter at RYDunleavy. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. And if you like what you heard, please give us a subscription on Apple Podcasts. Podcast, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, YouTube, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And if you love this episode, you love what you've heard, we'd love if you'd leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think. It helps us grow the show, and we love hearing from the fans. So for Ryan Dunleavy, I'm Matt Lombardo. This has been episode 128 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. <laughs>